today on This Christian Life. My son Kyle, when he was five years old, he came home from kindergarten. He told me that he didn't think the Bible was true. Of course, my heart sunk. Meet Ed Stoll, one of the most accomplished fraud detectives in the country. This is a guy that you don't want to lie to. You don't want to try to scam him, and you can't pass him a counterfeit bill. That's child's play to a longtime Washington fraud detective like Ed. So imagine his surprise when his five-year-old son was setting himself up to be deceived. If you're a youth in our culture, you grow up in a culture where they're told that their greatest ancestor is bacteria, basically, that there's no God, that there's ultimately no purpose in life, that they're here by chance. I mean, no wonder why suicidal thoughts are so high. Let me tell you how I got started on this journey. So my son, Kyle, when he was five years old, he came home from kindergarten. And I had always raised Kyle and the rest of my kids to, to know Christ and take them to church. And he told me that he didn't think the Bible was true. He came in from kindergarten one day, and of course, my heart sunk. Nobody expects their five-year-old raised in church to come say that, something like that. Maybe when they get a little bit older, I just was not prepared for that. I work in the field of audit, exams, and investigations. I'm a certified financial crimes investigator and a certified fraud examiner. I've been doing that for about 30 years, mostly in the federal government. The reason I think I like to do that is because I always like to see right and wrong as black and white, and I've always had a strong pull for the truth. Not only does he fight falsehood on a national level, he also fights the fraud being peddled on a daily basis to your children right in your own communities and schools. My night job, as I like to say, or my hobby, is a ministry that I started a few years ago called Stop the Fraud the Youth. I've worked in children's and youth ministry for 20 plus years. My passion really is reaching youth for Christ and equipping youth in the church for Christ because I believe that our youth in this culture are being spiritually defrauded. And I don't think it's really much different than the way people are defrauded financially, uh, as I see in my work. Now, before I tell you what happened to his son, Kyle, let's listen to a couple of fraud stories from the Chronicles of Ed Stoll. So I, we were doing an audit of a company in Puerto Rico, and they got a lot of grant money from the government. This president of the company, he had quite an interesting scheme to, to use the grant money for his personal benefits. And in this situation, we were interviewing his administrative assistant, his secretary, and the interview was in Spanish because she didn't speak English and we had an interpreter, I didn't speak Spanish, and she had mentioned something about taking these checks and depositing them in a bank account across the street. And that was strange because why would she do that when the company had accounts at another bank and the money was wired and all these kind of things. So I thought it may be something related to the translation, but eventually we discovered that he was having employees that work for his company that were supposed to be dedicated to the grant, doing the same type of work that they would do for the grant. So the company employees wouldn't know any different, but he was farming them out for his own personal benefit where he was earning the money. So it was very interesting that he did that. We were able to catch him thanks to that interview, but um, I don't know that we would have caught it. In fact, quite frankly, we find things by luck and, and just by doing our boring testing. Call it luck. Call it skill. Call it God. Just be glad that Ed Stoll is on your side. The other one that comes to mind, so we were looking at a particular broker, a broker, somebody that bought and sold stock, and he was buying and selling stock and other investments for an elderly lady. 
he had scammed her out of a lot of money, a lot of her life savings. If I recall correctly, it's been many years. I think it was about 300 grand, and this that's a lot of money. He was trading over and over again. So each time he trades, he generates a commission. So they call that churning. And then eventually he had got her to sign either a full or limited power of attorney. And he was able to steal quite a bit of money from her. That's not what made me sad. What made me sad eventually, so when he was caught, when the investigators presented her with the evidence, she did not believe it. She looked at the evidence. She looked at everything. She could see all the money gone. And she said, he would never do this to me. He was like my son. And uh, she really had a hard time coming to grasp that he would even do that. He was such a good scammer. I mean, he would stop by to spend time with her in the evenings, have dinner with her, all things that are red flags. That's the one in my career that was really tough to, to be a part of. Heartbreaking. In some circles, that kind of fraud is called catfishing. Scammers fish for lonely men and women and trick them into a false friendship, even a love relationship, even a romance. But the only love they care about is the love of money. Now, what about little five-year-old Kyle? Why would a kindergartner decide to question the Bible? Well, because he was skeptical. Honestly, I don't think it was really anything at the school. I was just always very skeptical of everything, even when things seem pretty authentic at face value. Honestly, sometimes things just popped into my head. So one day I just come home and I'm like, hey, dad, some of these things in the Bible, they kind of seem far-fetched. I remember it was Jonah and the whale. I didn't believe that a man could survive in a fish for three days. Uh, Goliath, a giant, and uh, Noah's Ark. So Ed, the deception detective, and his son begin to look for proof together. I remember reading the Guinness Book of World Records, and I remembered there was this guy, a modern-day giant, Robert Pershing Waldo. He was 8 feet 11 inches tall, and I showed Kyle a picture of him, and he was a giant. I mean, 8 feet 11 inches tall. That's close to Goliath. Goliath was uh, nine feet, six inches tall. So once I showed him that, he said, okay, well, what about the um, story of Jonah? I read about this guy named James Bartley, who in 1891, he was sailing on this ship called the Star of the East, and he fell overboard. The sailors on board and him, they were trying to catch sperm whale, probably for the blubber. Maybe they were going to make soap. And anyway, he fell overboard. They presumed he was dead. So the next day, overnight, they were cutting open one of the sperm whales that they had just caught. And guess who was inside a lot? Uh, James Bartley. I went and I got my laptop and I showed him pictures of the modern day giant. And I showed him pictures and some evidence of James Bartley. And we talked about that. But Kyle wasn't convinced. The last thing he said, what about the worldwide flood, Dad? And I said, Kyle... I can guarantee there was a worldwide flood. If anybody says there wasn't a worldwide flood, they're just ignoring the science. I said, did you know that the worldwide flood is probably the most historical event documented consistently among all ancient civilizations? There's over 80,000 records in 72 languages that talk about a worldwide flood. All seem to be around the same time. And then I pulled up on the computer a picture of an ancient clay tablet that showed him the Sumerian worldwide flood story. At the end of all this, Kyle looked at me and he said, okay, dad, I believe the Bible is true. That's how it ended. And I was really happy that I met that challenge. And I thank God that he uh, put that on my heart to answer that way. Instead of getting angry at his son, he took him on his first investigative journey, a colorful journey filled with giants and sea creatures with mighty wind and waves, all led by God. 
who makes all things possible just by the sound of his voice. That experience really helped me grow, but it also showed me that questioning things was really important. Kyle is 15 now. He's in high school, still a skeptic, but in a very different way. Even if you think you know everything, you should still try to seek truth, even to the things that you might not know or to the things that you don't know. Because even if you're wrong or even if you're right, the most important thing is seeing everything, seeing the whole picture. The best place to find truth now, I think, is in the Bible. I've done a lot of research into it that now I've pretty much in my head verified its truth. And so as I looked around, I saw that sin was so prevalent right now. The fact on the internet that you can spread anything you want at just the click of a button, you, you can say anything. It's so hard to find truth. Uh, you have to look really hard. You have to look at all the sides of a situation and sometimes even deeper than that. What the culture accepts as truth and what the Bible accepts as truth are two very different things as well. So that's tough. With everybody influenced by the internet in modern day times, um, it's, it's going downhill. If you're a youth uh, in our culture, you grow up in a culture where they're told that their greatest ancestor is bacteria, basically, that there's no God, that there's ultimately no purpose in life, and that truth is relative. So uh, something can be true for you, um, but not for me. And of course, that's a lie because if something is true, it's true in all places, in all times, but they're being told these lies. And no wonder why the suicide rate is so high. Um, suicidal thoughts are so high. There's so many issues with youth and identity. And I see this in the youth group that I teach at my church. Uh, I think a third of the kids are struggling with suicidal thoughts in a lot of these other areas, and it's really sad. Children are losing their innocence in a sea of doubt about the meaning of life, the identity of a human being, the purpose of human existence, the value of a person's life, and what happens after he or she dies. Without truth, a child loses the one thing he or she will need to overcome the evil in this world, belief in God and hope. One of the things that I think about what Pilate said to Jesus is what is truth? Jesus was before Pilate and he was about to be charged to be crucified. Pilate asked him, what is truth? And then Pilate did not give him a chance to answer the question, but Jesus said this beforehand. He said, you say that I am king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone that's on the side of truth listens to me. Christ is the ultimate truth. He is complete truth. He's created the world. He created the laws of gravity. He created the entire world and everything in it. There's no truth outside of Christ. There's no mathematics outside of Christ. And there's certainly there's no salvation out of Christ. Repent of the bad things you've done. Come to Christ for forgiveness and salvation. Let his grace pour over you. Believe in him and follow him. And don't walk through this world with no bearing, with, with no absolute truth, because there is an absolute truth, and his name is Jesus Christ. Now we take a trip to Ed's childhood, to a place where Ed first fell in love with truth. I had actually planned on becoming a priest. That was my goal. So I was in religion class in Catholic school. I was either 12 or 13, and I was starting to ask my teacher a lot of hard questions about the Catholic faith. Um, because I'm taking my faith seriously, I'm thinking about what it means. I'm trying to get closer to God. I'm saying the rosary. I was an altar boy in the church. I'm going to penance. I'm confessing my sins to the priests. I'm, I'm trying to do all these things, but I, I, I didn't really feel 
closer to God. So I, in religion class, we're talking about praying to the saints because we have been learning about, of course, the Virgin Mary and then St. Francis of Assisi and just different saints. And I said, well, why would I pray to the saints? And she says, well, these people, they work for God. And I said, well, um, why wouldn't I just pray directly to God? Because it seems like an inefficient way to doing things. I don't want to pray to to Mary. I don't want to pray to the saints because it seems like uh, I should just go to the boss and pray. My teacher did not know how to respond to the question. At that point, after that class, I was not allowed to come to religion class for a while. I had to meet with a priest. Even through eighth grade, I had to meet with a priest once a week, and we would talk about where I was um, going with my faith, and I had a lot of questions for him, and he had a lot of questions for me. And quite frankly, I never really felt like I got a lot of the answers that I wanted, but I did grow stronger in Christ because I did read a lot of the Bible. How do you know if something is right or wrong? Well, those who are deceived use their emotions as a guide, like a young child. It seems reasonable to those without reason. And since Ed had no reason to stay at church, he went looking elsewhere. I would like to say my testimony would be that God removed the scales from my eyes. And then at the age of 12, I I turned to Christ and I started being a Christian. But that's not what happened. I said the sinner's prayer. They had a a call, altar call, and I said the sinner's prayer. But I have to be honest, and I'm kind of ashamed to admit this, but nothing changed in my life. In fact, I went on to live the life of a non-Christian teenager. I was starting to rebel against my parents. I lied to my parents all the time to do the things that I wanted to do. I drank too much alcohol. Um, I did a lot of other things that I'm not proud of. I wasn't pure, and I walked the same way that my non-Christian friends walked. And I'm sad to say that Even a lot of the kids at my church walked the same way that I walked. The crazy thing is I was so deceived, I really thought that I was a Christian. So I just kept on sinning. I'm thinking, well, I I said the sinner's prayer, so it doesn't matter what I do. I can keep on sinning, and that's the way I live my life for well into my 20s. Ed Stoll, the seeker of truth, had been deceived. God eventually got a hold of me. I realized that God does give grace, and he wants to save me, and he loves me, and there's, there's no good works that I can do to be saved, but I have to submit to him. He's not just my Savior. He's my Lord. I wasn't walking in him. He was my sort of Savior, but he wasn't my Lord, and we have to be clear that we have to submit to Christ, and our culture does not like to hear the word submission, but it's what Christians have to do. You can't be a Christian unless you're submitted to Christ. Once God convicted me in my sin of, of My false salvation, I'll say for lack of a better term, I turned to him and I've been walking with him ever since. So what is truth and how do we become so easily deceived? It's really two ways. The first way is greed. And these are the victims that I don't feel quite as bad for, although I still feel bad for them. Nobody deserves to be defrauded, but greed can get you defrauded. If if something is too good to be true, it, it usually is. Situations where somebody says, hey, I can double your money, things like that. That's greed. But then the other way, and the victims that I feel the worst for, are the people that really need to trust someone for help. These are people that really need help. Like, for instance, the elderly lady that I mentioned that needed help with managing her retirement money, didn't know how to do it, didn't understand it. And these are the people that I feel bad for because they can easily be taken advantage of. And and the fraudsters are very, very sophisticated. One of the areas that we've seen a lot in the last 10 years is called affinity fraud or people target a particular group. They may be Hispanic and target Hispanic individuals. They may be a Christian and target individuals at their church. We're seeing a lot of that, and it's pretty sad that people would do that. 
This is one of the great comforts that I have at being a Christian, because in this world, we don't have complete justice, but we have to realize that with God, there's, there's going to be complete justice. There's going to be a day when God reckons everything right. So our youth are being spiritually defrauded, and our ministry is mainly geared toward church youth. Our culture is lying to our youth. Our culture is telling our youth a lot of things that aren't true. I mean, we think of the crazy things our culture is telling our youth. Yeah, so Kyle is a deep thinker, and he does dig for the truth. Things have to make sense to Kyle. He's really grown in Christ. So in my ministry, Stop the Fraud the Youth, Kyle speaks in my ministry. Uh, he speaks, he gives presentations to high schoolers, and he's only in ninth grade, but God has blessed him. And there's something special when he speaks. I can speak and I can show these things to youth, but when, when he does it, he has more credibility, more street cred than me because he's one of them. And God has really gifted him in that area and he's doing a fantastic job. It's been a blast going with him on mission trips and seeing like a lot of famous people uh, and being able to reach a lot of people with his message, you know? So we we would go visit churches and we would preach and sometimes I would speak and we would try to reach a younger audience and show them truth and also an older audience to teach them to show their children truth and show them how important it is to make sure that their child knows what's true and what's not and raise them in biblical values. There's one truth, and I believe the Bible is the ultimate truth. I believe that that's the way that God chose to reveal himself and reveal his decree to us in this world. True hope is found when you discover that you are part of God's story. He wrote your DNA, weaved it into your being, and nothing you can do will change that. You are stamped with the Creator's signature. He loves you just the way you are, the way He made you, with your faults and failures and even your skepticism. He knows. He made you with the ability to question Him, and He Himself is the answer to those questions. And if you don't understand everything now, well, join the club. But know that there's a God that knows eternity, and he is truth. And you can trust in his truth that he has all the answers for this Christian life. This Christian Life is a production of Family Stations Incorporated and is not affiliated with Christian Life Magazine or Plus Communications Incorporated. Family Radio.